We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. I'm walking here! I'm walking here! Here's Johnny! You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello, good evening and welcome to Unscripted, the film show on another Thursday night on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM, the top station on your dial. My name is Lewis and uh, usually sitting across from me uh, is Rachel and Cecilia. They are not in the studio this week as they have uh, other things that have taken them away from their responsibilities. (laughs) (laughs) Responsibilities, charming. Uh, But I have got a special uh, co-host tonight, uh, uh, my wife, uh, the producer of uh, Unscripted, uh, of uh, um, Diz Down Under, of Tangent City. The list is too long. Just, yeah, all all the gentlemen of pop culture stuff. Yeah, uh, Catherine. How are you going, Catherine? I'm good. That was a very long intro. It was, it was. It's funny how I say, how are you doing? It's not like we haven't just spent the last, like, you know, hour or so together, you know, driving here and dropping the dogs off. But you didn't ask me how I was doing when, when I finished work and when you picked me up so we could come to the studio. Fair enough. Okay, so so at least I'm doing it now. So <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah, checking in. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going particularly well because um, Ada's Ada's been overseas, and she has gifted us some chocolates. And I might be a little bit sorry if um, there's two bags that don't make it to the right people. <laughs> I would not do that. But they're amazing. They're from Torino. And that's probably a really Australian way to say that. <laughs> and uh, these little um, little pyramid chocolates, apparently, I'm very excited to crack them open. Have you looked it up on your your phone? Have you? No, 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 no. Ada was just telling me about them oh, okay. and because, like, I'm just you know, me and my Sue Lewis chocolatier love, yeah. and they've done a similar. Um, I can't remember what it is. It's like Giordano or something like that. I don't know. And it's a um, chocolate filling made from hazelnuts and chocolate. So it's kind of like Nutella, right? but it doesn't have the evil palm oil in it. And so <laughs> that's why we don't have Nutella. And so, yeah, also, I'm, 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 I'm really f- excited about it. not a fan of Nutella, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. Too sweet? Well, it kind of looks like chocolate, but then you taste it. It doesn't taste like chocolate. Mm. I would much rather be just spreading chocolate on my toast. And, yeah, you like the little chocolate lollies. I don't know what we're calling them these days. Chiquitos. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do like those. Uh, what, what, but they're, they're not hazelnut, though. They're chocolate. Yeah, but that... that they're lolly. They're chocolate flavored. They're not. Yeah. They're not chocolate. Yeah, but they're still. They're 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 actually like trying to taste like chocolate. Whereas hate. Whereas Nutella, is like looks like chocolate, but tastes like something different. Does it? Yeah. Hmm. Doesn't taste like chocolate. You reckon? Nah. I think it tastes chocolate. It's got cocoa in it. Really? Yeah. yeah okay. Well, it's suffice to say, uh, not a fan of uh, Nutella, so I don't have it in the house. So. <laughs> There you go. There you go. But this show is not about Nutella. Mm-mm. This show is about movies and uh, and like TV shows and and uh, you, know, you know games occasionally. We haven't actually talked about games for a very long time, but uh, you and I have recently got back into the uh, the gaming side of things. Yeah, we we decided to invest in a little bit of Nintendo action. 
we did. We got ourselves a Nintendo Switch, and uh, we've got some some games for that. But the, the the only games we played so far was like the the Nintendo Sports game, uh, and then we've played uh, Monopoly, mm. and then there's that that game. Uh, I think it's Illuminations. Is the no no no? It's Figment. Figment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, I knew there was a Disney connection there in the name, <laughs> um, but that one's kind of cool. Although as I'm playing the game, I'm thinking there's a a real depressing undertone to this game. Yeah, I think it's about like repression and memories and and yeah, it's it's an interesting kind of game in that respect. I haven't played as much of it as you have though. Mm, and I and I honestly thought I was getting like close to the end of the game and I went, "Oh no, there's like I'm probably only a quarter of the way through if that." Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot lots more to go on there, but um yeah, I look forward to like getting some more uh games for the for the Switch, but more multiplayer that we can play together. Yeah. Um, Cuz the thing is that Figment is a very much a you know uh, an individual game, so it's a platformer that you're playing by yourself. That's true. Whereas I'd like to find a you know, platformer that we can you know play together and uh, you know finish together. What was the one that was narrated by Stephen Fry and it had Sack Boys? That was Little Big Planet, oh, and yeah. that that was on the uh, the PlayStation console. Other consoles are available. <laughs> they are, but you couldn't play a little bit of Big Planet on other consoles. No, you couldn't. No, no. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to talk about some films tonight because we've seen uh, some films that are, uh, are out and coming out. Uh, last week we uh, treated ourselves and uh, went to the old uh, Lux at uh, Carousel and watched uh, Lightyear, the new Pixar film. We did, we did, and it was... A, probably a good cinema to see it in because I don't think it needs to be a ginormous screen. Yeah, no, no, it's, I mean, the thing is, uh, it is one of the first Pixar films to be released back onto the big screen. Mm. And I'm thinking that people might have actually fallen out of the habit of going to the cinema to seeing Pixar films. Yeah. Because it hasn't done as good, like if a Pixar film came out, you would expect that to be the film, the number one film of that week, yeah? Possibly. I, I- not necessarily the number one. It would depend on the release week, I guess. But a, a Toy Story adjacent film? Yeah, I was. Yeah, that's what sort of got me a little bit perplexed. Do you think people were put off that it was like a breaking away from the general Toy Story thing? I don't think so. I honestly think it comes down to the fact that the last, uh, you know, the, the last few Pixar films mm. um, have been released on uh, on the streaming service. Mm. So a lot of people, I think, are in the habit of consuming their Pixar on their own TVs at home. And there's some advantages because if you're watching with little people being able to pause mm. um, to answer child questions which come up when you watch movies and I guess to pause so you can go for wee breaks or to go and get more snacks... That's kind of handy. Or to watch it over and over and over and over and over <laughs> and over again. Uh, yep. But I think, yeah, that could have an, uh, a factor on Also that people know that, yeah, okay, it's in the cinema now, but it'll be on Disney Plus within two months. Because mm. that lag time between cinema and streaming is a lot shorter than it ever has been. It has varied, though, a little bit like I've noticed that some movies seem to move really quickly into streaming mm. and others seem to take quite a while. True, yeah. Well, I think it's just depending on who the distribu- distributor is and who... Oh, and I'm meaning particularly with Disney movies. Oh, Disney movies. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. Um, well, one uh, movie that uh, doesn't look like it's moving to streaming anytime soon because it's still making big bucks at the box office mm. is Maverick because... 
Apparently mm. people are going back and seeing it more than once. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, it was, like, fine to watch it, but I, I don't know that I'd watch it more than once in the cinema. Well, I did want to go and see it more than once in the cinema, but... Oh, yes. I wanted to go and see it in D-Box because I thought that would be a good experience because of all the movement in the film. Yeah, and we might still get that opportunity if they're still screening it. Do you think, because D-Box tends to move, like because it had Maverick and then it went to uh, Jurassic World. So it kind of mm. it kind of uses the current uh, action film of the time in that, that screen. And because we've only got like one D-Box cinema here in Perth, there's very limited access to, to being able to screen stuff on there. Yeah, that, that's true. Do you want me to see whether it's still on at D-Box? You can check it out. Uh, because it is. It if, is still on D-Box. If you weren't sitting here listening to us, you'd be able to be in a D-Box screening that started at 6 o'clock tonight. Oh, fair enough. I, I stand corrected and uh, I'd like to book some tickets for D-Box, please. <laughs> okay. We might be able to wrangle something on the weekend. I'm just kind of a little bit annoyed that uh, we don't have more D-Box cinemas. There's only really the one in Perth up at Carina. Well, it's not just not just having deals because we were talking to our friend uh, Nick who lives in uh, in the UK mm-hmm. uh, kind of near London uh, and where he is they've got like uh, IMAX they've got D-Box they've got uh, four, uh, 4K is it 4KX or 4K 4DX 4DX yeah 4DX so they've got a lot of different varieties of ways of being able to go and see films mm. whereas here in Australia in particular here in Perth all we have is you know, standard screens. Admittedly, they are big, and there's a good, mm. you know, Dolby Atmos. You know, and there's some really good seating as well. Oh, great seating! I mean, the the recliners and all that kind of stuff. That's mm-hmm. really good. But we don't have like you know uh, the the four DX where you've got the um, the extra the you got the motion in the seat, but you don't have the wind spraying in your face or the three D glasses. They we don't have three D screens of films anymore here in Perth? No, no. I find that kind of curious mm. because it's something that I didn't really get a lot of benefit out of, so it's not something I'm really missing. Yes. <laughs> but I know that's something that you probably miss. I'm, I kind of do and we're like, you know, almost six months away from the next Avatar film coming out mm. and Jimmy Cameron was really big on, uh, you know, making sure that everyone in that uh, screening of the f- a few minutes of it had the glasses so they could see the full effect of it. Yeah. And I'm just like, are people in uh, Perth going to buy into that as far as, you know, uh, the movies go? Because we've just been weaned off uh, wearing glasses in the cinema. Mm. And I, I always thought he was working on this, like, 3D technology where he didn't have to wear glasses, but, you know, clearly that's not the case. You'd need a special screen, surely. If you would think so, yes, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, what happens down the track in regards to uh, you know the the, the whole uh, you know 3D thing, like whether people will just go, no, nope, I'm going to go see Avatar in plain old 2D. I mean, if it was available in 3D, I'd probably watch mm. it and then go, oh, we should have just gone to a <laughs> 2D session. But I think that it did have some benefit because they moved away from the whole like just occasionally having something shooting out of the mm. screen at you to it actually giving a real depth feeling. It, it did and uh, it was the first of its kind. Like, uh, But since then we've seen like hundreds of films that have been in 3D mm. to varying degrees of effect and um, uh, I think we've just, it just got like really rammed into the ground. So, well... We've only got another six months or so to wait and then we can see what uh, James Cameron has for us this time. So that, that should be good. But, yeah, uh, another film we're going to talk about tonight is uh, Ali and Ava, uh, which 
weirdly enough, like uh, I got invited to go and see this film on the on Saturday, mm. and I couldn't make it to the, see the screening, and so uh, th- uh, Tony from Luna sent me a, a screener for it, and um, when I saw the original invite, I was like. I'm sure I've seen this film because it sounded so familiar. But I was like, uh, it's a new film. Surely I, I couldn't have seen this film. But then um, I, I started watching it. The first scene opened up on the film, film and I went, yeah, I've seen this. And uh, I was like, how, how did that happen? I think it might have been uh, as part of the British Film Festival last year. Yeah, I'd say that was probably the case, it being British. Yes, <laughs> yes, it being a British film was probably part of the British Film Festival. Um, so, but I did rewatch it with you. Even you though did. Even though I'd seen it before, I went, yeah, I'll rewatch it. It was a good film. It was very kind of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yes, yeah, so we're going to talk about that. And uh, there's also a, uh, a, a couple of things on the, the streaming services we're going to talk about t- uh, tonight as well. Um, a documentary on Stan called You Can't Kill David Arquette. I got that right, didn't I? I believe you did this time. Well done. Yeah. Um, it's actually called You Cannot Kill oh. David Arquette. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, you almost got it right this time. It's, chalk it up to growth. Well, good. Thank you. I'm doing doing well. <laughs> Improving is what you want to aim for. <laughs> and there's also a a movie on uh, the the Netflix, uh, which is called The Bubble. Yes. And we also saw that as well. So we will be talking. It's good that we saw it because if we're going to talk about it, it's good to have seen it. Well, we could have just like have watched the trailer and uh, and and talked about that, or we could be like a kid in school where they go to do a book report and they forgot <laughs> to read the book and they like just read the back of the book and try to like blag it through the the, the book report. Yeah, that never works. Or instead of watching, instead of like reading the book, they watch the movie and they like you know, think the movie's going to be exactly like the book and they do their book report on the movie and not the book and then they get caught out. Why do I get the idea that this might be talking from personal experience? No, no, no. They, they, never, they never made uh, movies out of books back in the day. No, Didn't they? Well, not as much as they do these days. Wasn't that The Princess Bride was made when you were a kid and... and that was a book. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, one of the first things I did did actually do a book report on was Dracula. So, uh, but I had actually read the book. So, it, it was not the not the case that I was uh, was was faking it. But yeah, so we've got a few things to talk about tonight, uh, and so uh, I think we should uh, crack on and get into it. But before we do, I think we should have a quick listen to one of our sponsors, and then come back and talk about stuff and things. And we're back. Uh, we're going to uh, talk about, and I think Kat's uh, not quite got the whole um, gist of the live-to-air radio thing because she's, instead of actually being on mic, she's moved away from the microphone to take photographs of chocolate. You're talking. I'm just here. No, no, you've got you to be there. You've got to be there to, like, to catch what I'm throwing at you and then throw stuff back. <laughs> this is a... It's hard to catch because I can't read your eyes because you've got sunglasses on. Yeah. Do we want to talk about that? Well, no, I forgot. Okay, like I, I have to wear glasses now to read because uh, my, uh, my eyes have aged out of uh, being able to read nude. Um, and so uh, I've got to remember to bring my glasses. And so usually I have my work laptop, which has a pair of glasses in there, and that's mm-hmm. fine. But today I rushed home to pick you up and, and the dogs. Ah, I took so it's my, my fault. I took my work laptop inside and then I came here. And the only glasses I currently have are my bifocal sunglasses. So I can actually uh, you know, read wearing my sunglasses and get the added benefit of looking cool like Jack Nicholson. I just don't know what to do with that. 
Now, so uh, what we're going to talk about is uh, Ali and Ava, which, as, as we've uh, said before, was part of the British Film Festival last year, is now getting its own release into uh, cinemas um, and uh, can be found at, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Luna, uh, Luna on Essex, so... It's like Luna Cinemas in Leaderville and might be on Essex as well. It is on Essex. There you go. It's in the. It's in both the Luna Cinemas, um, and it is a film from writer director Cleo Bernard, um, and it is set in West Yorkshire. Is, is our friend Michelle from Yorkshire? She is indeed from Yorkshire. Oh, there you go. I wonder if she's seen it. Uh, we'll have to ask her. Well, because there was a lot of aspects of this um, with the teaching and things that I was just like going, oh, this sounds familiar. <laughs> True. Actually, both uh, yeah, our friend Michelle uh, and Jane as well might be very interested in checking this film out if they haven't seen it. So we'll definitely uh, pass on the idea for them to check it out. Uh, but this this film is great. I think the the two lead actors in the film, uh, you've got um, Adil Aksar, um, and uh, you've also got uh, Ava, played by Claire Rushbrook. Um, they're, they're, the, being the two leads in the film, uh, the, the whole movie hinges on, like, them, it hinges on their relationship because mm. uh, you've got Ali and he is a... Uh, like the nicest, friendliest person you're ever going to meet. Uh, he's a, um, you know, uh, he comes from a, a big... Were they, do you think his family was Indian or Pakistan? Um, I didn't really clock where they were from. Yeah. Well, they're, they're either Indian or Pakistan, uh, Pakistani descent. Um, and they are, you know, living in England. Uh, he's obviously been born there because he's got a very English accent. Uh, and his life has kind of taken a turn because his wife his, has, you know, uh, separated from him. They're mm. still living together in the same house. They, they haven't uh, announced their separation to his family. She's studying to, to finish her degree. And the idea is that, you know, he kind of like supports her and looks after her until she's finished her degree and can, can move on, you know, doing her own thing. Mm. And also giving him a little bit of time before letting the family know that his marriage has failed. Yes, yeah. And uh, so that's his, his story. And it's amazing how upbeat he kind of is where he's going through something so traumatic. Mm. Uh, but it just, you know, he seems to find enjoyment in the little things in life. Uh, which I think is is really nice, but then again, he also has to have a a massive out out um, an outlet as well. Yeah, and uh, and for him, it's like going to a deserted field, jumping on top of his car, listening to house music, and uh, just having a bit of a yell. Yeah, which is an interesting way to deal with your emotions. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's one way of getting it out, isn't it? Well, I suppose <laughs> at least you're getting it out. Now, uh, um, Ava, on the other hand, uh, she like. She's kind of got like one of those typical English family dynamics where you've got a, a, a lady who's not old. She's like still like fairly young, mm. but she's because she's obviously had kids young, those kids have now had kids. So she's a grandmother at a very early age and she's kind of like helping to bring up the, the baby, the, the littlest uh, grandchild that's been born to her teenage son. Uh, and it's... 
Yeah, so she's got uh, she's dealing with with that side of things. Um, she's got a, a teaching job where she's uh, you know looking after kids with special needs, um, but she hasn't got anyone in her life as far as a partner goes. And that's where uh, Ali and Ava they kind of meet up at the uh, at the school and they form a, a bond. And it's kind of like they don't seem like the kind of people who would naturally get together. I don't think it's necessarily that they wouldn't naturally get together, but they come from two very different mm. worlds. So um, they talk about the different areas that they live in and he's like going, oh, can I really go up there? Is my car going to get stoned? And <laughs> lo and behold, the car literally gets stoned. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the way that he responds to situations and, like, again, he finds the the brighter side in everything and then she responds to situations because she finds the brighter side in everyone. Mm. And it's really nice to see how they sort of, it, they work together. Yeah, it's, it's really good. And you're, you're kind of rooting for them as a couple, you mm. know. But just like it's the thing, they, they like start a friendship and then, you know, things develop from there. But I think anyone who's ever like, you know, been in a relationship and the relationship's broken down and then they find somebody new. Because a lot of people when they, they break up, they think there'll be no one else again and they'll be alone for the rest of their life. And But in this, it's like just shows you that, you know, love can come from the, the you know, strangest kind of places. Um, so I think it's a, a wonderful film and, uh, and I really would encourage people if they want to go and see something a bit more, you know, uplifting to go and go and check it out when it uh, gets released. But it doesn't get released until uh, next Thursday, the 30th of, of June. Okay. All right, so we saw it fairly in advance then. And yeah. you saw it really in I advance. S- I saw it really in advance. So, and I've seen it twice, so I feel better than everyone. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be out next Thursday. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, go and check that out. Now, how many... Ed, how many um, points <laughs> of some description are you going to give this? Of some description. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I'm going to give it... I haven't given it a lot of thought, to tell you the truth. Can you, What are you going to give it? What am I going to give it? I, I'm going to give it uh, four keys because um, Ali is a, a landlord. Um, that was a, one of the things that was never really explained in there. Is like he is a he is a landlord. Mm-hmm. Is that his job, or does he own all the houses that he's kind of looking after? I'm not sure. I that never gets explained. Yeah, I kind of got the feeling he does own the houses, and I got that idea. Yeah, but yeah. he's just so like he, he's so into that. They're both really into that whole community thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was really into hanging out basically with his tenants and and it was really nice to see um i was actually going to give it four monkey bars but i didn't know whether that was a bit absurd well most of the- can you have an individual monkey bar or is it four sets of monkey bars this is the thing that i was getting tied up with in my head <laughs> most of the uh, the scores we do make no sense so that's excellent uh, that's quite i'm right. glad to join that club we'll we'll, we'll let that one uh, we'll, we'll let that one uh, slide and uh, and we'll go with four <laughs> four monkey bars um now, the, an, a film that you can watch without leaving your home, provided, of course, that you have a subscription to Netflix, uh, is The Bubble. And this is uh, one of the, the films that uh, came up a few times on our, uh, like, you know, sometimes you'll... The suggestion. Yeah, the suggestions. Because you watch this, yeah. you should watch this. Yeah, and you just, like, hover your thing over it and a trailer pops up and uh, and the trailer popped up and I was just like, oh, my God, that's, you know, Karen Gillan. That's, that's Pedro Pascal. That's Leslie Mann. That's 
lost David Duchovny. Uh, that's you know, David Ridley, uh, sorry, Daisy Ridley. It was just like, you know, star after star after star. And I was like, we, we, we should watch this film. Why have we not seen this film? And so uh, we, we decided to give it a watch. Um, and the, the film is about a, uh, it's a cast of people who are making a, a series of films that are uh, based on climbing cliffs. What is the name of the actual... Uh, oh, Cliff Beasts. That's yeah. what it is, yes. Um, the Cliff Beasts franchise. Um, and so they've been making these Cliff Beasts films for five of them. I think in the fifth uh, version of Cliff, Cliff Beasts, um, the character played by uh, Karen Gillan, Dr Lacey Knight, uh, did not return for Cliff Beasts 5. And so there's a bit of animosity with between her and the rest of the cast in Cliff Beast 6. But the thing is, is that Cliff Beast 6 is being filmed during COVID times. Dun, dun, dun. And so, uh, like, you know, if you've been keeping your uh, ear to the ground and watching the news, you would know that a lot of film uh, films being made could only be made in the bubble during uh, COVID times. And so that means that the actors have got to go to a location and they've got to isolate and they've got to, you know, spend you know, two weeks in a room by themselves ostensibly. Uh, and then they can't interact with anyone outside of the bubble. you just got to keep within the bubble so that no one gets COVID and they can complete the movie. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the whole uh, film is about uh, how they deal with being in the bubble, how they deal with, you know, filming the sixth film in a, a series have been in for a very long time uh, dealing with the script because um, David Duchovny's uh, character uh, of uh, Dustin Mulray uh, he wanted to doctor up the script and you know punch it up a bit because he wasn't happy with uh, the way that things were going uh, and his uh, his wife who he is uh, separated from uh, Leslie Mann uh, they had some uh, played by uh, playing Lauren had some issues with uh, with like you know trying to have that uh, separation thing and and all that kind of stuff so yeah it was kind of it's interesting when they just put all these different um, uh, spanners in the works. Like uh, it, it's complex. It's very complex. There's like like Pedro Pascal. Oh, no, what's, what's the thing that people put on their status? It's complicated. Complicated. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Everything was complicated <laughs> because I guess these people have been hanging out, making these movies for so many years, and they've just got so many issues around their relationships. It's it's really really funny yes yes and and you got uh, P- another another brilliant actor uh, peter serafinowitz is in mm. it as well uh, he works for the uh, the the, um, the the movie company making the film uh you've uh, also um uh what was it is it Judd Apatow's daughter, who plays the uh, Iris Apatow, plays Crystal Chris. So she's the uh, this like uh, TikTok famous star that they brought into the film just to try to grab grab that audience because mm. she had all these followers. It's it's just so good. Like as far as a a film, it's a film of the now. And it's just so ridiculous. And you get to see a bit of the behind-the-scene filming of a, of a movie, like the green screen kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, people that are placeholders for when they put the CG around certain characters. Um, yeah, it's just, as far as a Netflix film goes, this is probably my favourite Netflix film they've done so far. It felt the most like one I reckon you could throw up onto a big screen and it would be, you know, just... It'd be acceptable movie. and 
whether it was played at home yeah. or in the movies. Mm. I agree with that. So it was just, I was really, I mean, it just had, you know, it had the laughs, it had the feels. Uh, you know, everyone can relate to it because everyone has gone through the, the COVID nightmare for the last couple of years. Um, but, yeah, and also that, that feeling like, you know, some of them have the, 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 the need to kind of escape the bubble because they just feel trapped. And I think a lot of people uh, in society have had that feeling for the last couple of years as well. So Yeah, and I like how everything gets a little bit more absurd as the movie goes along as well as they all start to lose the plot. Mm, definitely, definitely, yes, yeah. Uh, you've also got uh, Keegan-Michael Key in there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred Armistead is playing the director of the film uh, and it's just, he he's brilliant in everything he does. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think if you haven't actually um, searched out uh, The Bubble, uh, it's two hours and six minutes of fun on Netflix and I'd uh, definitely recommend that you go and check it out. Now, what score are you going to give mm. The Bubble? Oh, what should I give the bubble? Well, I'm going to give it four, um, four well-aimed bullets. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I was, I was going to give it uh, um, four fingers. Oh. Um, so that uh, if you do watch the film, then you might find that those two things do come together. Nice. Uh, but we mentioned... We didn't plan that. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned before about uh, Ali and Ava. Uh, that is going to be out next week uh, at Lunar Cinemas. Um, I don't know why I'm, I'm mentioning it's Lunar Cinemas. Might have something to do with this ad. Did you know that Fremantle has its very own art house cinema? You'll find Luna on Essex, midway along Essex Street in the heart of Fremantle, screening an incredible variety of niche, foreign language and quality mainstream films in comfortable and intimate surrounds. It feels more like your own home movie theatre rather than a cinema. Catch up with friends for a pre-show drink in the fully licensed Alfresco area or enjoy a glass of wine and a cheese platter during the movie. Check out what's on along with details of forthcoming films, festivals and added value events at lunapalace.com.au. And uh, we're back to talk about Lightyear. We are. Um, This was an interesting one because obviously, you know, we all know Buzz Lightyear from the Toy Story films, but the Buzz Lightyear we know is the toy that lives in Andy's room and is, you know, initially rivals with uh, Woody, but eventually become, you know, friends and confidants and, uh, you know, they go out on adventures together. But he was voiced by, by Tim Allen because he was uh, a toy uh, that was... And that's, that's the interesting thing. Like, uh, the toy of Woody in uh, Toy Story was based on the, um, uh, the, 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 pup, the puppet uh, in, the, in, the car, the, uh, in the TV show. There was a Woody's Roundup uh, TV show mm. and he was a puppet. Mm-hmm. I was just, I'm trying to rack my brains if the voice of the puppet was the voice of... Um, uh, the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the voice of who? The the voice, Aww. yeah, the voice of Tom Hanks. So, um, yeah, because you know that that would be interesting if they if that was the case, or if like each you know um, different toy has its own voice. Mm. So yeah, but anyway, that because a lot of people were annoyed that the the voice of Buzz Lightyear in the Lightyear movie wasn't played by Tim Allen. But the thing is, is that in the Lightyear movie, it's uh, you know it's, a, it's supposed to be a live action. Uh, movies with uh, the character of Buzz Lightyear in it. 
So even though it's animated, it's still like you know in the world of Toy Story, mm -hmm. that would have been a live action film. Right, so this is something that actually happened in that universe. No, it's not saying it actually happened in that universe. It's a movie that was released in that oh, universe. Okay, yeah, because I was thinking I got the wrong idea no, of this no, one. No, <laughs> it's a movie that. So uh, Andy, when he was uh, younger, yeah. So it's him going to see a live action movie. Exactly. But it's animated to us. To us, it's animated. Right. To him, is live action. Okay. So uh, and so he went and he saw this, and this was ostensibly his. Star Wars. Uh, it was a, a film which was just inspired him to want to go out and get the the Buzz Lightyear toy and the Zerg toy and everything like that. And we've well, I say we've never really had a backstory to like Buzz and that sort of thing, but there have been like animated cartoons and stuff like that uh, that have played years ago. Uh, that I don't know even if they're available anymore, hmm. which might have delved more into um, you know the Buzz character. Um, but this this here, I guess, is retconning it and going, okay, this is the movie that Andy saw. And at the very start of the film, there's actually a, a message there saying that this was the movie that he saw. Mm. And so th th this film should give you the desire to, to leave the cinema and go and buy a Buzz Lightyear and Zerg action figure and then go and uh, have fighty fights with them. Um, but the... Uh, and I, I was... Uh, yeah, uh, going into this, I went, okay, Pixar... You're looking at heartstrings. You're mm -hmm. going to be doing some tugging. I can see. I can see you already. I can see already. You're going to do that, and it was. Um, it was. Oh my goodness! Like this, I think um, has the like. You know, an up. You, you watch up, and there's that that bit at the beginning of the film. Yes. Where it is uh, the, the the old dude and his wife, and it was their life together in a really really condensed form, mm. and so they had you bawling like at the very start of the film. Well, in um, in Lightyear, they kind of stretch that pain out for a little bit longer, so it's kind of like you, you 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 feel and you don't know what's coming at first. No, you do not. You do not know what's coming. It's a uh, it's it's kind of the film starts off very action packed, mm. um, but then it like starts hitting the feels very very quickly. But it is a uh, personally, I think it's a phenomenal film. Like I, I really just enjoyed the uh, the idea of it and the the execution of it. Um, and I think the uh, the actors that they uh, had played the parts. I mean, you know, Chris Evans. I thought he played Buzz Lightyear brilliantly. Like uh, he voiced it amazingly mm. i thought that it fit in really well and to be honest if you'd sent me along i wouldn't have necessarily been able to tell you oh that's not tim allen that's someone else mm. if they'd done like a blind tasting but for ears <laughs> <laughs> um so you had him playing that that part there i think the um uh, the mvp of Lightyear would go to uh, peter sun who plays the character socks and Socks is uh, a character that, for me, I think, like, uh, if I was Andy going to see Lightyear, I would come out wanting a Socks action figure. Yes. Uh, because it, Socks is uh, his uh, robot cat uh, who is amazing. And when you think about it, it is the perfect kind of um, character that you could turn into a, you know, take-home animatronic and have him, like, talk to you. Like, you could almost... 
you could make him into an AI and you know you could have conversations with him. Yes, very much so. He a little bit droidy in some ways. Mm, mm. So it, it was really cool the way that the interactions and what he could do and add to the situations. I could see why you think that that was the go-home toy. Oh, definitely, definitely. I, I think that uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of socks uh, around the place. Um, I think as, as well another uh, awesome addition to the cast, and like, I didn't even know he was in this film, and he just one of the characters started talking and I just went, my God, that's Taika Waititi. <laughs> and he plays Mo Morrison, and he's he's sensational. Just He's very, very cool, but he's like great in everything, really. Yeah. I mean, you can't miss fire when you've got a bit of Taika in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, James Brolin is in this film and he's playing Zerg. Ah, do you know I never, I didn't look that up. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So that that's pretty pretty darn awesome. Uh, but it's the the voice cast is fantastic um, and the story is is brilliant as well. It's one of those ones. As I said, you and I went in there knowing, okay, this is a movie that Andy saw. This is what made him want to buy the Lightyear toy and the Zerg toy, and, but not knowing the whole uh, story or... Like Not knowing any, any of the any story. Plot. Yeah. And it we was just, just knew that there was a guy who was a space ranger. Yeah. So it was great to go and see... Uh, it, it just... Um, just go there and ride the wave and see where it takes you. It is... Uh, it's great. It's, it's action. It's adventure. It's heartfelt. Um, and, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Kids, uh, kids are going to enjoy it. Adults are going to enjoy it. I think it's a, a very cross-generational kind of a film. Was there a, was there a, another scene at the end? No, I don't believe there was. I thought there was no cut scenes in this. No, nope, there was. At the, at the end there was a scene. Oh, okay. Yes, I do, I do recall there was actually a couple of cut scenes during the, uh, the trailers, uh, during, during the, uh, um, the credits at the end of the film. Oh! Oh, yeah. Remember Sorry. The, the thing? That, yes. Yeah. yeah, the thing. There's a, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of scenes in the film uh, that I could see in Disney parks as well. Mm. Um, lots of attractions. Yeah, and I could yeah. see one of the things like uh, in Disney parks, in most Disney parks, there's like a, a Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin or planetary rescue um, ride. Mm-hmm where you're in a car-like type thing and it's moving around the track and you've got to shoot different objects to gain points. And it's, um, it's in some parks it's pretty boring. It's just like, you know, stars on a wall that you're shooting at. Mm. But they've now introduced, like, creatures into Lightyear that you could easily have them there as the, the things that you're shooting at. So I'm, I'm definitely thinking that we're going to be seeing some uh, plus-ups in the, uh, in the Disney parks and there better be some plus-ups in the, uh, in the, the Buzz Lightyear uh, rides because I, I think that uh, this movie was just, like, storyboarding it all for those Imagineers. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a, a nice idea to think that they might, not necessarily with all of them, but maybe with a couple of them, just um, do a bit of an upgrade. Yeah, yeah, like maybe the one at Walt Disney World, they could like, you know, rip it out and start again. <laughs> <laughs> bit of bitterness over there? Oh, no, it's just, it's, the, the ride is so old and it's like got this gun that's mounted to the, the vehicle you're, you're driving. Yeah, it's a bit frustrating. And so it's hard to aim and the, um, the newer versions, you actually have a little gun you pull out of the holster and you're, you're going pew, 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 pew. It's really yeah. good fun. the pew, pew is good. Yeah. So uh, Lightyear, it's uh, out now in cinemas. Um, how many things are you going to give this one? Um, I'm going to give it probably three and a half power sources. Oh, okay. I'm going to give it four minutes. 
<laughs> and uh, and again, you've got to go and see the, the see the film to to understand that one. Uh, we have still got so we've uh, we've talked about. Uh, Ali and Ava, we've talked about the light year. Um, we've, uh, so what else have we got left to well, talk about? We've talked about the bubble, but there's been a oh, couple bubble, of yeah. other things that we've seen on streaming. So did you want to hit an ad and then we can hear a little bit of that? Sounds like a plan. We shall do that. And thank you to all of our sponsors. We really appreciate you keeping the lights on at the station and making sure that we've got microphones we can speak into so people can hear us. Uh, we've got uh, about... 18 or so minutes left of the show uh, before uh, Quizzy comes in and he starts rifling through his crates and telling you about things that he's found. Uh, so we've, uh, I thought we'd fill uh, some of that with um, some other things you can see on the, the old streaming services. Yeah. Uh, shall, we, shall we start with what we watched last night? We can. Well, last last night. In fact, the, the last couple of Wednesdays have been kind of kind of cool. Mm. There've been a, a bit of a, a, a Marvel uh, a Marvel and a Star Wars mashup night with uh, Ms. Marvel and also Obi Wan Kenobi coming out on the same day. That mashup that you found was quite cool. That image. Yes. <laughs> Did you post that to the unscripted? Uh, I'm not Facebook? sure if I posted it under script. I think I might have just posted it to the, uh, the the Diz Down Under Facebook page. Maybe you should do that. But it was a uh, a picture of Obi Wan Kenobi uh, in the Miss Marvel costume. Miss Marvel costume. <laughs> it so, worked very well. Yes, yes. Now, so last night was episode six of Obi Wan Kenobi. It was, and that is the the last episode in the series so far. Because uh, I've got a, I've got a theory that we, we might, might be seeing more of uh, Mr. Kenobi. Really, uh, I've got my theories, but I'm not allowed <laughs> to spout my theories because they include things like Leia is evil, <laughs> and you're like, no, 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 she's not. Not, not even little Leia. Not, not even little Leia's evil. No, like, you saw how good she was. She, she hasn't turned evil yet. She was like sharing her her little Lola with with people, just going like, you, this will make you happy. Here's Lola, and she's yeah, she's all good. She's all good. There's, there's nothing, nothing like she would never turn to the dark side. Uh-huh. It was Luke that was borderline, always Luke. <laughs> <laughs> but like this, ah, oh, you know when when you saw the original Star Wars and you go, oh, this is awesome, and like you know, uh, Darth Vader goes, like last time we met, I was the student, you were the master, and blah blah blah. And you go, man, that would be great to see all that. And then we did see all that in the the prequels. And then, uh, you know, we were kind of dissatisfied a little bit with how that went. Mm. Um, and then you've still got this massive gap between uh, Revenge of the Sith and New Hope. Yeah. Like you've got a 18-year gap in between there. And so now with the Obi-Wan series, we're 10 years um, gone from Revenge of the Sith. And it's at a point where Darth Vader, um, at the uh, will of the Emperor, has been, you know, running roughshod over the the Empire, and the Empire has slowly been like gaining power and you know pushing itself into areas where it wasn't previously, and turning the the whole of the the universe into a very very bad place. Uh, and Obi Wan in this uh, in this time has been you know hiding out on uh, Tatooine, uh, you know occasionally checking in on Luke um, and seeing how he's going. But you know for the most part, it's kind of like a hermit's life for him, just <laughs> hanging out in the cave. Uh, and but this was great, like the whole series of of him uh, you know getting out of the cave, having to go and save ten year old Leia from uh, the Inquisitors, and like just having that adventure. It's kind of like revitalized him as a character. 
excuse me, sorry, as a character. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it was just great, and, and you could see that in every time, every every second that Ewan McGregor got to be on screen, being Obi Wan Kenobi, he was just enjoying it and just eating the meal that was playing a character that he loves. Mm. And and I think it was great to be able to see him, you know, truly after all this time, be able to play the character of Obi Wan Kenobi. And do you think as well as uh, like? seeing him on screen was great but seeing him interact particularly with Leia's character there was something really really neat about that Mm. and there was something somewhat redeeming in um in in her casting that was so much better than anything that they did in the prequels Yes, yeah. Or the prequels or the, I don't know what you call one, two and three, the failures. The, the prequels. The prequels <laughs> is fine. We, we, we'll go with that. But yeah, the um, the, the, the casting of her was, was perfect. I think uh, Carrie Fisher would have like, you know, rubber stamped that with no problems at all. Oh, going, definitely. Yeah. And I hope that we get to see like, you know, hopefully get to see more of her in different roles because obviously now they're making all these different shows uh, with Star Wars set in different time periods of Star Wars. So hopefully we get to see like a young Leia series and get to see uh, like how she grows up on Alderaan. Wasn't it nice to see Alderaan? It was. It was lovely to see Alderaan and to catch up with Leia's parents Mm -hmm. and yeah, I don't know. There was just something neat about seeing how complex her upbringing was as well. Mm. Yeah, no, de- definitely. I mean, the, the fact that she's a princess, yeah, uh, but she knows she's adopted, and it's just yeah. There's a lot of a lot of facets there, which is is really interesting. But um, I think the the uh, your MVP of this series is definitely Moses Ingram, who plays Inquisitor Reva. Uh, like you know, when when the the show starts, like you know, she's just got such presence and such gravitas, and you've just got no idea where her story is is going to take her. Uh, but yeah, it's just it was amazing with the the six episodes what they did. Um, the you know, it's very hard to take a character like Darth Vader, who in Revenge of the Sith literally killed children, mm. and make him ev- even more evil. But in this, I think they did it. It was just, uh, I think they really just made him even a bigger, horrible person that you just wanted to, to defeat. That's true. Yeah. Um, and But they made him so that you, you got more of a sense of the power that mm. he held as well. So that's something that I know you really enjoyed, but it was just really interesting to see just the depth of his power and and his his behaviours as well, the way that they sort of track them back to his time of training with Obi-Wan. Mm, mm. But, yeah, and, and the fact that you know that it, it is actually um, Hayden Christensen in the armour playing Darth Vader, mm. um, I mean, it's just weird that that adds more to the character, but it kind of does. Yeah, I hadn't really thought that much about that because I think I guess I just see the I just see the armor mm, mm. in general. Obviously, I don't know. It's weird, but how is Hayden Christensen a particularly tall person? I, I don't know. I think there was some movie magic there because I know that, like for instance, Moses Ingram isn't particularly tall. Mm-hmm. She's shorter than me. Really? So, yeah. Oh, that's interesting because like, you feel she's like just she... got this immense presence, right? Yeah. I think it's like, like you say, it's, there's some movie magic going on there because I've obviously had some amazing input in terms of the director but it's like she just has so much gravitas that you think that she's so much taller 
than what she is. I mean, she looks like she's probably, you know, six foot four and, you know, it, she's not. Yeah. <laughs> but I also didn't recognise her that she'd been, um, she played Jolene in um, Queen's Gambit. Oh, okay. And I just, I hadn't put that yeah. together until I just jumped on the IMDb's. No, she's, yeah, she is uh, just sensational in, in this series. Um, James Earl Jones, this is interesting because James Earl Jones is back as the voice of Darth Vader, mm. but he didn't actually record any new lines for the character. So what they've done is they've taken uh, you know, all the voice recordings of Darth Vader from the past mm-hmm. and then pieced them together to come up with the new dialogue that he says in this film. Well, given that I guess he his voice would have aged over time and you want this to be back in the time from a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Exactly. It makes sense to make use of that technology. Because mm. that was a similar thing they did with the uh, the Luke Skywalker in, in Mandalorian. Mm. Uh, it was, was doing that as well. Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Um, was doing that as well to, to, uh, to make sure his voice sounded as close to the Mark Hamill that we remember as a young man yeah. rather than the Mark Hamill today because you, you, your voice ages and, and changes. and yeah, it's like your eyes. Like exactly, exactly. Very true, very true. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is uh, awesome. I'm, like, so down to re-watch it again. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm ready to just, like, I, I'd love to sit down and just watch the whole lot all the way through. Mm. In fact, if you were to say to me, uh, we're going to put it onto one of the really big screens uh, in the cinemas, uh, I'd, I'd put my money down and go, yep, bang up for that. Let's go do that. Here's big, my money. <laughs> big screen, lots of, like, full-on sound. This is what I want to see. Let's do this. Uh, so, yeah, it's... Uh, it's great. And so as a whole, uh, for the whole Obi-Wan Kenobi series, mm-hmm. uh, what um, uh, what score would you give it? Oh, you're putting the pressure on. <laughs> I didn't realise that we are going to be scoring a TV show. That's that's just a little bit, I don't know, a little bit, a little bit much. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it was wholly satisfying for me. So maybe I'll give it four lumps of mystery meat. Four lumps of mystery meat. Okay, interesting. Uh, I am going to get that. That's a uh, that, that's back to the first episode of Obi Wan in there for people <laughs> keeping score. Uh, I am people know. <laughs> I'm going to give it um, five. Um, Do you reckon it's a straight up five? Yeah, five fake Jedi's. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so I shall let you uh, go and watch that. And, well, because I was going to give it four and a half, but I didn't know whether I could cut one of those lumps of mystery meat in half or not. Obi Wan did. He was like just <laughs> taking it for his little uh, camely type thing. It was great. Uh, so we got one more thing to talk about in the in the uh, ailing uh, minutes of uh, I've got nine this minutes. Week. We'll be fine. We don't have we don't have nine minutes. Do you not know how radio works? We've got to play a song so that Quizzy can come in and he can oh, get okay. prepared. So well, just quickly then, I'll say no, the no, title no. so you don't muck it up. No, no, we've got uh, we've got three three minutes and thirty five seconds of Friday. I'm in love to finish the show. So uh, we've got um, about uh, five minutes. Okay. Yeah. Go. Uh, you, you say the say no, no, no. You've ruined it. No, no. You say the say, say the title of the show because <laughs> oh, you don't want to get it wrong again. <laughs> um, we did tune in to watch. You cannot kill David Arquette. Off the back of a conversation that I had with a friend of mine um, who I don't think she's necessarily watched a lot of wrestling, but she sat down and watched that, and her partner was just like, 
I'm not watching that. And then kept on walking past the TV and then sat down on the couch and watched it because it's really good. It's really intriguing. And I didn't know whether it's because we've watched a couple of documentary style things recently. So for like, I really enjoyed watching another documentary. Um, you obviously have a huge love of wrestling. Mm-hmm. So there was going to be a lot of enjoyment from your side of things. But the whole idea of what goes on in this world is just like horrifying and intriguing. It, it is because to be a, a wrestler takes a certain person because wrestling doesn't not hurt. <laughs> wrestling is one of those things where you're going to a ring, you're, you're slamming yourself into the canvas. Uh, you're and against the ropes. And against the ropes. And against other people. Yeah, people people are like you know, uh, punching you and kicking you. They are pulling their punches and they are pulling their kicks, but they still do connect. So, yeah. And it just like one wrong move and it's uh, bad news bears. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, you got to be highly trained to, to be a wrestler. But there are some people who are just like ridiculously passionate about wanting to be wrestlers and David Arquette is one of those people he had a passion for wrestling uh, his whole life and then in the 2000s he got the chance to be a part of a storyline in WCW which actually saw him win the world title which was kind of terrible because he was just an actor and although wrestling is predetermined it was kind of devalued the whole idea of world champion when you just put it on an actor who can't wrestle Mm. um so he kind of felt that because of that, the uh, the wrestling community looks at him as kind of a pariah and he wanted to redeem himself. He wanted to go and train, learn how to become a professional wrestler and then get back into the ring and actually have a bit of that redemption arc that, that he was looking for. Mm. Uh, and so in uh, You Cannot Kill David Arquette, it is really showing the kind of road a lot of people take to wrestling so you know a lot of people start off as a wrestling fan and then they might start doing some of the backyard wrestling kind of stuff which is legitimately in this film in somebody's backyard yeah and he he goes there and he he fights these people which are doing some things i don't particularly like like hitting each other with uh, those fluorescent light uh, things and stuff like that but that is a part of where wrestling has come from uh so he does that first and then like he goes and he wrestles through some like minor kind of uh federations and then works his way up to facing uh a a well-known wrestler uh mr anderson uh who i think in um uh, in WWE he went by a different name um, yeah because that name didn't ring any bells for me yeah no he had a different name but uh, he, he, anyone who, who's a wrestling fan will know, know who he is um, but this it was really interesting to see like you know, David going through that and it was kind of interesting to see the parallels between like he was married to Courtney Cox who was in Friends mm-hmm. and in Friends John Favreau played this billionaire who had a desire to be a UFC fighter and just continued to get that heck pummeled out of him mm-hmm. in the ring and it just reminded me of that because like you know obviously uh, David Kent's not married to Courtney Cox anymore he's married to a Courtney Cox lookalike and um, he had his that, I found that really disconcerting because <laughs> I was like going oh Courtney Cox I thought they would have been split up by this time and I was just like that's not Courtney Cox <laughs> And yeah, he had to explain to her, like, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> he had to explain to her, I know you're not Courtney Cox, yeah. but you do look a little bit like her. Sorry. Uh, had, to, had to explain to his kids uh, why they have a wrestling ring in his backyard now. Um, it was just really compelling television and a great documentary. Um, 
but yeah, in every every documentary, you've got to uh, learn some some new stuff and uh, uh, you know find out some. It's Mr. Kennedy was the the because uh, uh. I remember that he used to go. He'd introduce himself to the ring. He'd go, Mr. Kennedy, Kennedy, and then when he left, he changed his name to Anderson because he could do the same thing, <laughs> just with a different <laughs> name. Uh, I think the Anderson was probably something to do with the Matrix as well. Um, but yeah, so but the thing I discovered in You Cannot Kill David Arquette is that uh, one of my favorite wrestlers in all elite wrestling jungle boy is the son of luke perry and i was like that's why that guy looks so familiar because he's like he looks like luke perry but like buff so (laughs) yeah it's a so you cannot kill david arquette was uh you know great documentary uh and i am going to give it uh four championship belts oh i'm gonna give it um four hard bumps Oh, very nice. Well done pulling out the wrestling references. Yeah. Well, that is going to call it for this week on Unscripted, the film show. Uh, next week, we will hopefully have Cecilia and Rachel back in the chairs. So much better than me. Uh, no, they're not better than you. We can just <laughs> find out what you know, Elvis is like. We haven't seen Elvis yet. We need to find out what Elvis is. I know. I'm so excited to hear. Yes, but we will find it out next week. But for now, as I said before, here is the cure. Friday, I'm in love, and I hope your Friday is lovely. This podcast has been brought to you by the Gentlemen of Pop Culture.